Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. So tonight we are in week two of this series, this study called Six Prayers. And what we're looking at is six specific prayers in Scripture and what we can glean from them. And we have an anchor verse that we read last week, but I wanna read again this week. And in case you weren't here last week, we do have the handouts from the Tabernacle Prayer. They are at the info desk. If you're interested in that, if you have friends that are interested in that, if you have friends around the country, I've gotten some emails and some calls from people that are kind of following along with us on YouTube. If they are interested, all they have to do is email us. We will send them the PDF and they can print that out. So make sure that you let them know that. And then there's extra handouts in the back. But the anchor verse that we are going back to tonight is found in Ephesians 6. It's verse 18. And scripture says that we are to pray in the spirit on all occasions. Everybody say all. All occasions. And maybe some of you, that's your struggle here right now. Maybe it's a situation where you thought you had to have some sort of big, long, drawn-out prayer, and you're struggling to find out, you know, time to do that in your schedule. And really, the Lord says, you're just kind of supposed to pray all the time. And so maybe that's kind of your issue with prayer right now, that you thought you had to lock yourself somewhere away. And the Lord says, no, 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 just pray about everything all the time, right? Before you check that email, before you send that email response, (laughs) right? Before you respond to that text message, as you're sending the kids off to school, whatever it is, pray in all situations on all occasions. And I love this next line, with all kinds of prayers. Did you know that there are multiple types and kinds of prayers? And so maybe in this season of your life, you want to check out a couple different ways to pray, a different kinds of prayers. So pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And we talked about that last week. But how many of you know prayer can be a struggle, right? How many of you will be honest today and agree with me that prayer has been a struggle for you? It has been a struggle for me, right? And I think some of it goes back to kind of being raised in the church and sometimes prayer can be approached as a competition. Anybody even in those settings? Like who can pray the longest or use the most these and thous and thuses and... And, and all I can think in those moments is like, do you talk to your kids that way? Thou hast not gotten thy bath. And in Jesus' name, thus thou incur the wrath of thy Lord. Thou best get thee behind into the baptismal of water. You're like, what? Like who talks like that? That is so weird. Or maybe you've been in those situations where people like try and draw the prayer out as long as possible because they feel like that's gonna make them more spiritual or holy. Okay, I I have to be honest with you. My mom and I were talking about it this week. My mom encountered a situation like this one time 
to the point where the woman had stood up in the middle of the church service. It was an unorthodox church service and uh, maybe a little bit smaller than this setting, but they had allowed people to stand up and take part in the prayer time. And this precious woman had stood up with this mentality that prayer is a competition and she had exhausted her prayer list to the point that she started praying, wait for it, for characters in TV shows. I'm not even joking. My mom tells this story. She stood up and she said, Lord, we just lift up Erica Kane of all my children. Lord, she's got amnesia again and we just ask for your healing. She needs your touch, Father. People get crazy, crazy with prayer. But how many of you know that prayer is not about how long you pray, right? It's not about how many words you use. The prayer that we're going to look at tonight, I believe, is likely the most impactful prayer that has ever been prayed in history. And I say that because it is the prayer that as God answered it, the result of the prayer impacted the eternity of every human that has ever lived or will ever live. And guess what? This was a short prayer. In terms of words, it was just a couple dozen words prayed over and over. And I love that thought that it doesn't have to be wordy and it doesn't have to be a bunch of weird language that it can be a short prayer, but impact eternity in a way that we can't fathom. And so tonight we're gonna look at that prayer. It's Jesus's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if any of you have read that prayer, you know that the situation, the situation is that God has asked Jesus to complete an assignment. He's given Jesus, who is fully God and yet fully man, Scripture says he put off his godness to walk this human life as you and I are walking it. And God asks Jesus to fulfill this specific assignment. And the reality is that Jesus doesn't really want to. And that's gonna wreck some of your theology here tonight. Jesus didn't actually want to fulfill the assignment if he didn't have to. And you know what? The problem we incur is that sometimes we believe things that aren't in scripture. Have you ever heard people say things to you and, and tell you it's a Bible and you're like, no, it ain't. <laughs> I hear some doozies, okay? I hear some really interesting ones. Uh, one of them, oh, this was one of my favorites. Um, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. That is not in scripture. No, no, that is something totally, totally different, right? Oh, but it talks about hell. Yeah, no. No, it's not. No. One of my favorites. Um, if it happened, it must be God's will. No! That is not true! 
Stop believing that. That is a postmodern lie that you've been sold. Right? It's new age, not Bible. Okay, I made a list. Another one. Uh, God will never give you more than you can handle. Not in scripture. How many of you are in the middle of crap that you know you can't handle right now? Right? That is the whole point of having a savior. And people that say this are people that have not read the Bible. Because, uh, let's see, Abraham, Noah, Moses, Joseph, Esther, all of these people had way more than they can handle. Scripture does say that he won't give you more in terms of temptation than you can, but not like, oh, I, I can't handle, no. The whole idea is that we need him, amen? Amen? The other one that is related directly to Jesus is that God won't ever ask you to do something you don't wanna do. Just not true. And I love when people say that to me because I wanna pat them on the head and go, oh, you're a new Christian. Right, brand new. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing to me because the reality is God loves for us to be uncomfortable. He loves for us to have to rely on him. I just flew in last night from Georgia. I was there, uh, I took two speaking engagements so that I could see my family, my parents and my siblings uh, for my dad's birthday. And so uh, I took two speaking engagements. I preached Saturday morning. I preached twice on Sunday and then flew back last night so I could be here tonight. And I took my kids with me. And I have to tell you, if you don't follow me on Instagram, uh, I love where I grew up. And I did this little like virtual tour of my little town. Anybody see that? Yeah. Um, it's adorable. It's like Mayberry, legit Mayberry. Like I love it. Um, and I'm super close to my family. Uh, my mom and dad are still alive, healthy, just rocking. They're amazing. And while my family is not perfect by any means, um, man, I just I have this incredible family and all of my siblings live there in that area, and all of their kids. And uh, my mom is one of 14 children. You guys have heard me say this before. And so I have tons and tons of aunts and uncles and cousins, and, and everybody's right at, there in that community, and I love it. And I don't get to raise my kids there. Why? Because God called me here. And I gotta tell you, that's hard. That's really hard. And when God gave me this call, there was a point of grieving that I had to walk through because I didn't want my kids to grow up without having my mom across the street like my nieces and nephews had, you know? And childcare is expensive. No. But the reality is that God called me here and I knew that. I knew that I knew that I knew. So while my heart is still grieved about elements of it, I know that this is home. And this is not like, oh, short-term home till she can, no, 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 this is home. 
In fact, when we took this job, we told the elders of this house, no, we plan to retire here unless the Lord sends us a blatant writing on the wall sign, amen? But that was a process of walking through that grieving of what I thought it would look like, what I'd maybe hoped it would look like. But how many of you know at the end of the day, I just want God's will? Because I am so much happier as a result. And tonight we're gonna look at literally this process that Jesus goes through. This process that scripture says Jesus was so overwhelmed to the point of death, he was so upset about what God was asking him to do. And this process that Jesus walks through, this conversation, this prayer with the Lord, that Jesus walks through that allows him to move into that assignment and into God's will. And that's what we're gonna look at tonight. And so we're gonna look at the account in Matthew. This account is found in Mark and in Luke, but tonight we're gonna look at Matthew's account of Jesus's prayer in the garden. Start with me, Matthew 26. We're gonna start in verse 36 if you have your Bibles. Otherwise, it's gonna be on the screens. Scripture says, then Jesus, this is after Passover, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here in this garden with him while I go over there to the other side of the garden, pretty small garden, historically. You could look at a map online, not, not a huge place. So Jesus brings them all in and he says, you guys sit here, I'm gonna go over there and pray. Verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. Now, make sure you don't miss this. All the disciples are in the garden with him. And he leaves some on one side and then he takes Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him a little further, kind of an inner circle, right? And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Why? Because he knows what God's asking him to do. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. If you have your Bibles underlined, keep watch with me. And then maybe circle the word with. Tonight, we're gonna look at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're gonna look at his prayer of processing the assignment of his life and how he processed it with the Lord to walk him into taking care of us and our eternity. And there are three things that I want you to see about how Jesus prayed this prayer and about how Jesus communicated with the Lord to get to the point that God brought him to. And the very first area, and I hope you're taking notes, is the with matters. Everybody say with. The with matters. 
the with matters. What does that mean? I thought it was so interesting this last month as I started to unpack this prayer that Jesus, fully God, fully man, when he goes to process this assignment, doesn't do it alone. When he starts praying and conversing with the Lord, processing what God is asking him to do, he brought his closest friends, his students, the the people he was discipling, pastoring, he brought them with him, all of them, that were with him at that time, he brought them all into the garden, right? An outer circle. And then he brought the three closest with him a little further. And I need for you to understand that because I believe what Jesus is telling us in this prayer is there is power in unity. There is so much power in agreeing together in our prayers. And here's what's so remarkable. The disciples didn't even know the fullness of what Jesus was praying through. They didn't fully understand. They had little pieces of knowledge. But the important thing that I believe Jesus is showing us is even though they didn't understand the fullness of what they were to be praying for, Jesus knew the necessity of having them nearby of having them with him. And this is not the only place that we find this in scripture. The explanation for this, I believe one of the many, is found in Matthew 18. We'll start in verse 19. Scripture says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree, underline agree, meaning if two of you are unified, about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is Jesus talking about unity, us agreeing, right? But it doesn't stop there. For where two or three gather in my name. Now I wanna stop there because we like to say that, but we don't understand the fullness of what that means. If two or three gather, In the name of what I've called you to. If you're gathering under the banner, his banner is what? Love. If we are truly unified in the Prince of Peace, in our healer, in the God that is our fortress, if we are unified in that, then look what it says. Jesus said, if two or three gather in my name, there I am. What's that word? with them. I got to be honest, until I started writing this message, it was like, yeah, he's with us. No, no, no. Because he's always promised that he never leaves us and he doesn't forsake us. So Lord, what does that with mean? What does that with mean? Where two or three unite where you're unified in asking something, there I am with you. I am in this battle with you. If you will find a sister to link arms with, to agree with concerning something that I've already taken care of, 
I've taken care of this for you. Link arms with her and guess what? Oh, I've got your arms too. I am linked. I'm fighting that battle for you. I'm not just in your midst. I am with you. Do you see the difference there? I am with you, the Lord says. And this is found throughout Scripture. There's so many elements, so many places in Scripture that we're reminded that what was the prerequisite of the Lord doing exactly what He said He was gonna do? What was it? It was unity. Look in Acts. The promised Holy Spirit only came when they were gathered, what? Together in one accord. What does that mean? Unified agreeing together on something. Does that mean that they agreed on everything? No, are you joking? The reality is it has nothing to do with your differences. It's deciding what you are going to choose to agree upon. Man, if we can just grasp that for a second. Can I just tell you that Pastor JF, my husband, we don't even agree about everything. Well, how do you pastor together? Well, it gets loud sometimes. <laughs> Amen? Iron sharpens iron. Guess what? Sparks fly. So, <laughs> deciding what you're agreeing on and then unifying in that. There's power, there's power, there's power. James talks about praying for the sick. And what does he say? He says, call the elders together, have them anoint the sick and pray over them. Why? Because he's assuming the elders are unified. They're unified in their beliefs, right? That unity, the power in the unity makes all the difference. And we see it again in James 5. Look with me in James 5, 16. And most of you know this passage but it's so important to be reminded. Therefore, confess your sins. What does that mean? Your struggles, your needs, your prayer requests, what you're walking through. Confess them to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. Not so the other person will be healed. If you want healing, guess what you have to do? You have to get together in unity and confess what you're walking through. And then the last part of that passage says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now you guys know, if you were here during This Is War, that I have a few pet peeves, okay? One is toilet paper going under instead of over. Somebody posted the original design of the toilet. Thank you. That was that, Miss Linda? Yes. It's over. Just for those of you that know the Lord's will. But the other one is taking Scripture out of context. And so what I can't stand is the fact that I hear so often, oh, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And I'm like, well, it depends. Because that's not what Scripture says. It says that if you follow that process, then the prayers of the righteous person are powerful and effective. So some of you are wondering why your prayers aren't powerful and effective. And I think maybe it's because you haven't been praying in community. Can I be real? 
Because sometimes we pray for stuff and nothing happens. And we have the righteousness of God. So the righteousness part is not the issue. Because our righteousness is the Lord's, right? Jesus' righteousness is what we wear. So what's the issue? Our unwillingness to do life in community. Our unwillingness to be real. Our unwillingness to get messy with others. Because guess what? When you link arms with others, it's not as easy to just do your own thing. And so if we truly want powerful and effective prayer lives, then it requires the with. Everybody say with. And that's why we do these circles at the end of these studies. Yeah, I want you to make a pal, a connection. Sure, absolutely. But the reality is that there is power in that unity. There's connection in that unity. And can I tell you, that's why the enemy hates it so much. That's why he's always trying to cause division between women. That's why he hates marriage. That's why he hates families. That's why he hates church. Because there's unity there. And he knows that if we grasp even a small amount of that, then we'll realize there's power. And he's terrified of that. That's why we launched small groups at Church for All Nations. Can I tell you, we launched Small Group Showcase this last Sunday. Pastor Eric, Pastor Stephanie, they killed it. It was amazing, awesome team effort. If you are not part of a small group, then I would venture to tell you that your power is decreased. Now, it doesn't have to be a C-fan small group. I'm not saying that. If you attend another church, you need to be involved in small groups there. Or you need to have, maybe it's more of an organic small group that you grew up with. Whatever it is, if you're not doing life in real and authentic community, then you are not operating in the power that God has for you. You may have some power, but not the fullness of the power. I truly believe that. We wouldn't be a church of small groups if I didn't believe that. Amen? It's the power of the with. So Jesus is showing us that the with matters. The second point that I believe Jesus is showing us in this powerful and yet short prayer that he prays is the watching matters. Everybody say watching. Let's look at Matthew 26. In verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane. We've read this. I want to read it again. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Here's your assignment. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Why did Jesus tell his disciples to stay here and keep watch with me? Meaning Jesus was doing it too. Most of my life, as I read that, I thought 
it was like keeping watch so that maybe the Roman army didn't come in and storm the gates and that sort of thing. And then I realized in this study, that's not the case. Because Jesus wasn't looking for the Romans or scared of the Romans, right? He said, keep watch with me. So I started looking through scripture and I realized that this type of watching is actually a colloquial phrase. And if you look, we find it in quite a few places in scripture. I wanna read a couple to you tonight. Colossians 4 verse two says, devote yourselves to prayer. And prayer should include these two things because there's a comma there. Being watchful and thankful. A watchful prayer? Well, Lord, what does that mean? Let's look at Ephesians 1. Verse 16 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, I'm praying that you have wisdom and revelation. What will that mean? Look at verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened or opened. Whoa, whoa, wait, eyes of my heart? Eyes of my heart, what, what could that possibly mean? Because the only eyes I have are in my head. No, 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 well, we remember when scripture talks about our hearts, it's talking about our what? So this is where we get this idea of our mind's eye. Okay, not our physical eyes, our mind's eye. So look, verse 18 again. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, what that is, right? Verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? This is where we even get that song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I wanna see you, right? So what he's saying here is guys, Part of this praying thing, part of why I brought you here, Jesus is saying, I need for you to ask God for revelation. Revelation and wisdom about what's about to happen because it is such a big deal. And if you don't understand it, then the enemy might be able to get a wedge into our relationship. So it's important that you have revelation concerning what is about to take place. And that is so important. My daughter Israel, she's eight. And she had attended, since we moved here, she's attended one school her entire life. So she did preschool at this school. She did kindergarten and first grade. And this year, she started a new school. And when I first explained to her that she was gonna be going to a new school, it's gonna be a new opportunity. She was like, no, 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 no. No, I go to my school. It's like, well, baby, this is a new opportunity. It's a new assignment that you have. And the school is gonna have people that have never heard how much Jesus loves them. The school is gonna have 
kids that don't know what God did for them. And the Lord has you in this place to tell them it's going to be amazing. No, I don't think so, Mom. Probably, probably somebody else, right? This is going to be for somebody else. And then what did I do? I started explaining to her, well, this is what it looks like. And I want you to, this, these are kids in your neighborhood. Babe, you get to go to school with the kids in your neighborhood. And then what did I do? I started pulling up pictures online, showing her. This is what the library looks like. Isn't that cool? This is going to be awesome. A big library, a lot of books. And guess what? Her heart started to shift. Yeah, Mom. Maybe, maybe that is. Okay, okay. And then I showed her a picture of the school bus she's going to be riding. School bus. I didn't have school buses at the other school. School bus, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So the school bus is going to, and I start articulating to her, drawing a picture in her head of what this next assignment is going to look like and what it's going to mean. And guess what? That first day of school, man, she was ready an hour early, right? We waited for the school bus for 45 minutes. <laughs> no rain, though. Why? Because I started explaining a picture to her, right? Her mind's eye was enlightened. It wasn't just a list of all the reasons why. Well, you got to go to this school because da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No, no, no. I started to paint for her that picture of the why and what it was going to be like and helping her to understand. And I feel like we have done such a disservice as the church because sometimes when we talk about, and I'm talking about me, sometimes when I talk about hearing from the Lord, some of you sit in your seats and you think I've heard an audible voice. Can I tell you, I've never heard an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice. What happens to me when I hear from the Lord? Well, my mind's eye gets opened. And he starts to paint pictures in my head that I know are not from me. Things that I've never seen before that he starts drawing in my head. Why? Because I'm watching. I'm being prayerful and watching. And it's not that I get knocked out and I'm laying flat. Sure, that happens. But more often than not, it's the Lord putting pictures, visions of things. And he'll do them kind of slowly. Kind of one little thing at a time and... And it's not, Ashley, you must move to Tacoma. No, that's not it, right? It's these impressions. But you know what we often do because we're not mindful about watching? We go, oh, no, that's the, the pizza I ate earlier. That's that movie that I saw, and it has me thinking about, well, yeah, maybe. But what about if you're just being watchful. And here's what I want you to understand. Because in this prayer, Jesus himself only prays a couple dozen words. But scripture says the, the first time he prayed those couple dozen words, it took him an hour. 
Why? Because he's slow of speech? No. Because he was allowing the Lord to paint that picture. He was allowing the Lord to bring revelation of not only what the assignment was, but the why. And he was painting that. And you know, most of my life I thought, oh, Jesus sweat drops of blood because he was, oh Lord, please don't let me do it. No, God was revealing to him what was gonna happen. And he understood the physical stress he would be under and his body as a result. I believe as a result of those visions, as a result of that revelation, his body started reacting, knowing what he was about to walk through, watching and praying. How many of you spend your prayer time that way? How many of you spend more of your prayer time talking, oh, la, 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 God, blah, 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 blah. How many of you have a child that does that? Fulton is in that mode right now, right? I wanna teach him something and he's like, oh, but blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bro, I have this thing I want to teach you and you are still talking. I feel like the Lord does that with us sometimes. We're like, oh, and Lord, I need this. And if you adjust, this girl is da, 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 you know? And he's like, shh. You keep asking about this next step. You keep asking for answers, but you won't be quiet long enough for me to give them to you. You keep waiting for somebody to say, shut up, here's your answer. That's not how he works usually. Being watchful, pausing. And Jesus understood this, that type of listening that is with our mind's eye. So we know the importance, the with matters. Everybody say with. with. The watching matters. Man, if you don't remember anything else, right? That watching with your mind's eye, your heart if I can just get you to grasp that, it will change everything for you. And the last area that I believe Jesus shows us in this prayer is that the walking matters. Everybody say walking. Matthew 26, verse 42. Jesus has prayed the first part of the prayer. God, if if this cup can pass, Lord, I please just let it pass, right? And then he went away a second time, Scripture says, and he prayed, my Father, you know what? If it's not possible for the cup to be taken away unless I drink it, God, your will be done. You see, the heart of Jesus already shifting from God, if it can pass, please let it pass, to you know what, if, if this is the only way, Lord, I believe he saw our faces. I believe the Lord started to show him an eternity of people that would now get to be with him. And Jesus's heart starts to shift. And it says, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. <laughs> 
So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Lord, if this is the only way, if this is the only way, God, I'll do it. And then we see the result of this prayer. Matthew 26, verse 44, it says, So he left them and went away once more, prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And he returned to his disciples, saying, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Everybody say rise. rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. None of the with, none of the watching matters if you're not willing to walk it out. And that's exactly what Jesus did. God shifted his heart in that moment. He shifted his thinking, his will, and made him not only willing, but ready to walk into it. Jesus didn't sit in the garden waiting for it to come to him. He went to it for you and for me. And the power of that alone is so incredible. And scripture says in James 1 verse 22, don't just listen to God's word. And it's talking about the written word, but also the rhema word. Don't just listen to the visions, to the pictures, to the revelation that God is speaking to you in your mind's eye. Don't just listen to it. You must do it. And I love that if you go and read the rest of that passage tonight, he talks about, it's like if you were to look in the mirror at an image, why does he say that? I honestly think it's because he speaks in pictures. And so he's equating it to like, you know what? It's like if you go and look in the mirror and then walk away and just forgot what you saw. So he's saying, if I speak this to you and you don't do it, it's like you never even saw it in the first place. It's like you never even grasped it. And the power of that is so tremendous. In fact, if you go and read the account in Matthew, Jesus actually looks at Peter and says, Peter, if you had just not let your flesh win, if you had actually been watchful and prayed, if you will watch and pray, you won't fall into temptation. Can I venture to tell you that I truly believe that if Peter had been watchful in his prayers that night and not fallen asleep and let his flesh win, that I believe he wouldn't have denied Jesus because God would have given him the revelation of what was about to happen. And he just showed him, hey, the kingdom that Jesus has been talking about is not what you're thinking, okay? It's eternal. And he would have started to understand that and that it wouldn't have confused him he wouldn't have been so distraught and full of doubt. And some of you are walking through something right now that the Lord needs to give you revelation over. He needs to speak to your mind's eye and give you a picture of so that you won't fall to temptation in the middle of this. 
Some of you need direction from that picture of the Lord. And you know what, I'm gonna close with this. I could spend a whole series on just this prayer alone. But that word, just in case you think I may, oh, that's a little far-fetched, Pastor Ashley. I don't know what I think about all that. Did you know that the word Gethsemane, the name, the garden of Gethsemane, literally means the oil press. And you know, I was asking the Lord this week, Lord, why? Why is that important? Because he kept highlighting that. And then I looked at the process of oil, olive oil production in that time. And it's remarkable. Because what the farmer does is go to the olive tree and he hits the olive tree. And the olives that are willing to let go of the way things have been, the olives that are ready to let go and go into the next process, the olives that are willing to release what they've always had, those are the ones that fall into the basket. Those are the ones that are ready to be processed. And what's so interesting is that no farmer processes just one olive. They do it together. There's no reason, no point in processing just one olive. You wouldn't get enough oil, but together, all of the ones that are willing to let go, those are brought together. And don't miss this, this is deep. Then they're washed. Ephesians 5 talks about the washing of the water of the word. The rhema word, meaning what God speaks to you in your mind's eye, but also his physical word. So that's the next part of the process, that washing. And lastly, there's a stone that's entered into the process. And those that are willing to experience this living stone that 1 Peter 2, 4 talks about. Those are the ones that the oil comes from. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is symbolized in so much of Scripture as olive oil? How many of you want the work of the Holy Spirit flowing from your life? How many of you want God's will pouring out of you, His Spirit pouring out of you in a powerful way? Most of you, that's exactly what you're praying for. And this is the process, right? That exact olive oil process that was symbolized in the Garden of Gethsemane by the prayer of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. Lord, you speak to us in such incredible ways. Yeah, Lord, sometimes it's audible. I've never experienced that. But Lord, you are so awesome to articulate to us how you give us pictures in our mind's eye, Lord. So right now, I pray, Lord, that you would just open the eyes of our hearts. Help us, Lord, to practice this watching and praying 
Help us, Lord, to practice this listening to the pictures, to the visions, to all of the things that you're gonna speak to us right now. And God, I pray for courage and strength, not only to share it in the with, but Lord, to walk it out the way you've called us to. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 